Now there's a classic. We've been waiting for this all night, Grant. And of course, you put it in this segment. It's apropos because who are we gonna call? George Tarouri. Pro Football Focus. George, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Are you a candy corn fan, or do you think it's nasty crap like every other sane person? I'm not a candy corn guy. There we go. Um, yeah. The data I, says it I sucks. Have an, I have an affinity for sour candy, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's that's kind of my my bent. Uh, the PFF grades candy corn is basically the Drew Lock. <laughs> For you, of candy is that is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that that's probably fair. Although to be honest with you, like candy corn is definitely very very far down the list for me. I'm honestly trying to think of a candy that I like less, um, and having trouble. Peeps. So it might be it might be more of like the Zach Wilson. There you go. Candy. There you go. Much much better. Uh, what about what about Peeps? I'm not a Peeps guy. Are you a yeah. Peeps guy? No. Again, I, it's just. I don't know. Peeps to me are weird. The consistency is strange. It tastes super fake. Uh, I don't know. Not a fan. Nick and I are in total agreement with you. So that's uh, that's a, that's a good thing. You know the uh, the Broncos played somebody this week. I, I can't remember some some team in Kansas City whose names I can't remember. Or some quarterback I can't remember. And they uh, they dominated them. Um, you know, you look at this team and you think, well, they lost by one in week one. They lost by uh, not getting that two-point conversion to Washington. Uh, all of a sudden, you're talking about a three and five Broncos team coming off a bye with a Monday night game against Buffalo. They win that, and they're back in the conversation. Yeah, anytime that you win a game where you're more than a touchdown underdog, right, that's really going to change the complexity of your season outlook. Um, yeah, I think maybe we talked about it last week uh, around the – the Monday night game between the, the Vikings and the Niners now losing your quarterback will we'll crush that. But, right, you win that game and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. Um, and I would agree. I mean, I think there are a couple of things that um, I'm keen to kind of see how they, they play out because we talked about this last time, right? Like the defense appears to be playing a lot better. And I don't know if we're seeing that show up because of how the offense that they're opposing is playing or if the defense is really kind of turning a corner. But I suspect it's a little bit of both. Um, and I, I think it's it's one thing to, you know, stop Patrick Mahomes when he's healthy. I am a little hesitant of the fact that, you know, he, he had the flu and everything like that. Um, so, I, you know, that to me is a little, I, I think, misleading. Um, you know, they sacked him, I think it was five times in that game. And that, I actually don't have this off the top of mind, but I'm pretty sure that's like the most in Patrick Mahomes, you know, maybe it's in his career, to be perfectly honest. So was that a function of Mahomes being under the weather? Or is that because, um, you know, Mahomes was truly struggling against that defense? I think that will be interesting to learn because the offense was still not particularly impressive. Um, and so really it's like, has the defense turned the corner? Well, George, here's what I want to uh, inject into uh, the whole conversation because, yeah, that's kind of a big thing that's being discussed around here. And now I guess nationally as well, Patrick Mahomes was sick, and that was the reason why he didn't perform well. Well, let's take a look at some of those numbers. When we look at the two games he's faced, the Denver Broncos, the Chiefs have struggled on third-down efficiency, 
fourth down efficiency and inside the red zone. So, and this is like going back to the first game, that was with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. So is it fair to say that the Broncos defense is just up the ante just a little and not just the fact that Patrick Mahomes was a little under, under the weather? I think it's fair to say that they're no longer the worst defense in human history. Like I think that that is certainly we can we can align on that. But it, what you're talking about actually brings up a really good point, which is um, third down, red zone. Um, those things are well understood to be um, very unstable. Meaning, a lot of it is not something that should count on maintaining from a week to week standpoint. And actually, I think the Chiefs are a good example of this. And they themselves have been super fickle in, in the red zone over the course of a home career. And a large part of that, in my opinion, is because Andy Reid gets way too cute all the time. Now, the, the other thing that I think is, is the challenge for the Chiefs, that the receivers are some of the worst in the NFL. And I think that's a legitimate concern. I think it's why the Bengals, uh, the Bills, who the Broncos will be playing, um, and the Ravens have a real shot at making it to the Super Bowl. Um, is that there's, there's such a weakness there. And so those are the things I think are interesting. Now, what they do have is a great tight end in Travis Kelsey. And the, the simple fact that, that Mahomes and Kelsey together were not able to beat the Broncos, I think is a sign, a positive sign uh, for the Broncos. System. Looking at these Broncos schedule going forward, I mean, you get the Bills on Monday night, uh, November 13th. After that, you get the Vikings coming to Denver, the Browns coming to Denver. Neither one of them have a quarterback right now. You got the Texans the Broncos have to travel to. You know, they've been fun, but they're not exactly world beaters. Uh, you got two games against the Chargers. You got the Patriots coming to Denver. You got the Raiders. And then you got to travel, you got to travel to Detroit on December 17th. It looks like there's two games here where you're like, well, I don't know if they're going to win that. And the rest of them look winnable. I agree. Like, I, I think the, um, the, the narrative on the Broncos, in my opinion, has dramatically shifted. Um, and it, all it took was playing defense at a rate that wasn't, like, historically bad. But what is so interesting to me is, like, can they put it all together? Because the offense has been really pretty, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but not world-beating. <laughs> Uh, since the defense has sort of not been terrible. And so it's like, can you put these two things together? Um, I, I thought Russell Wilson, you know, I we talked about how much Mahomes got sacked in that game. Uh, Wilson took more sacks. And I think that's indicative of the challenge here is that they're both a team that relies on the home run and a team that takes a lot of sacks. And that is a recipe for scoring very few points in the NFL. And you're just not going to beat you're not going to win enough of the games that you should win with that sort of a recipe, right? Like, like I think Houston, and Greg, a great point. Let's talk about that Houston game. I think Houston is, uh, it, it would be a team that I would favor at home against the Broncos unless the, the offense really figures it out. And if you're going to be an underdog to the Houston Texans, you're probably going to struggle to, um, to make the playoffs. So with that being said, were you surprised that the Broncos did not make any moves at the trade deadline? I, I am surprised, and I'm not surprised. I, I'm, I'm not surprised because you just see this in the NFL, right? Like, you want to be optimistic. Um, ownership wants to put people in the seats, right? It's, as an owner, right, like, you don't want people talking to you about how you're, you know, giving up on a season and you're rebuilding. Like, you want optimism. I understand that. I think that's true of businesses across the United States, not just football teams. So it doesn't surprise me from that standpoint. 
it does surprise me from the standpoint of if you're watching the games and you're looking at the offense, I just struggle to see how this offense is turning enough of a corner that you go, yeah, you know, next year, next year we're going to figure it out. Um, I think it is a little bit uh, far-fetched at this point. Um, now, could it happen? Absolutely. So I understand, you know, what the, the kind of risk they're taking. But I would say the odds are probably not in their favor. Now, I don't know what offers they got. Um, and if they didn't get offers that, that they felt were commensurate for, you know, say, a Jerry Judy, um, you know, I understand that uh, totally. So um, I, I'm surprised and not surprised at the same time. I talked to an agent today who told me that, uh, you know, even with the Russ stuff, that he, that he thinks the Broncos are going to punt on Russ. And he gave me a list of names that he thought that the Broncos would bring in. Didn't think that they were, he thought they would go to the draft, but not early. And gave me a list of names. And one of those names really kind of curdled my stomach. And that was Mac Jones. And, you know, the, yeah, the, the Belichick to Sean Payton, you know, kind of connection and all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, the Patriots are obviously trying to reset at the quarterback position right now. I don't. I can't see that happening. But this is a guy who's really well connected, and you know, and has those kind of things going on. Uh, could could you see a scenario where the New England Patriots somehow foist Mac Jones on the Broncos, and Sean Payton actually buys into that? If it did happen, I would laugh. Um, I would definitely laugh. But let's. Here's the thing about Mac Jones. I think this was true of him coming out of college. The thought there was, this guy connects. An offense. He's smart enough to understand the reads. Um, he, you know, obviously comes from a, a coach and system that people respect quite a bit. And I think looking at this offense and looking at Russell Wilson, I think the challenge is that Russell Wilson doesn't hit uh, enough doubles. You know, um, he does not. He does not get people on base and bring them home. Right? He's a home run hitter, and it's very in this league right now. Like. Shoot, I was commenting on this about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, when Patrick Mahomes drops back to pass, I'm no longer worried about the deep pass. Yet, somehow, he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's indicative of, of kind of the world we live in with how teams are playing defense. So, from that perspective, I do kind of understand it. I just don't think um, that, that Mac Jones uh, is good enough to uplift a supporting cast, and that's what you would have to do here. So, you know, if you got in a supporting cast like, say, the Niners, I'm sure Mac Jones would be great. You know, and maybe he gets you to a playoff win or two. Um, but I, I don't see him as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So the trade deadline has come and gone, and there have been like very few moves, unlike we would see in other professional leagues. But the Washington football teams, they were sellers, sending Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears and Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers. Of those two guys, which, well, I know who got the better of the deal, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question because Ben and I had this conversation. It looks kind of crazy, Ryan Poe's kind of trading for Montez Sweat. Do you see a scenario where Sweat decides to stay there knowing that though Chicago has a lot of cash and free agency? Um, so uh, there's two parts. The first is one way to know what is right in the NFL is to log on to Twitter, see what people are saying, and then the opposite is true. So people are, are on Twitter, they're absolutely ranting and raving about how did the Bears pay more for Montez Sweat than the Niners paid for Chase Young. On its face, I get it. Chase Young is, if you have one snap to play, you have one game, you have one season, Chase Young is probably the better player. 
But the issue is that Chase Young, you know, availability is one of the most valuable things in the NFL. The Niners traded for Chase Young. I don't think they have any intention of keeping Chase Young after this year. They're not signing him. I think that his health concerns are certainly something that has not been, you know, widely kind of publicized. And uh, that, to me, is why he went for a third rounder. And Sweat, who the Bears are not taking Sweat as a rental, right? Like, the, the Bears, if they are, then Ryan Pohl should get fired tomorrow because, obviously, that team is going nowhere. Um, the Niners are taking Chase Young as a one-year rental. They're trying to win the Super Bowl. So, from that perspective, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, nothing that the Bears did today made any sense to me because they are going nowhere this year. And this is the exact same reason why when the Washington Commanders, at the time the R-Words, were drafting number two overall, I said they would be out of their mind not to take a quarterback, either Tua or Herbert. And people yelled and ranted and raved at me, how could you not take Chase Young? And the reason you don't take Chase Young is because it does not matter if you don't have a quarterback. And that's why they're getting rid of two top-pick defensive linemen, because they are, they're not players that you can invest in unless you have a quarterback on your team. And so that's the moral of the story here and why I think what the Bears are doing doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, I, I mean, and here's my theory on the Bears is that, that Ryan Poles is trying to save his job. I mean, that, that coaching staff's not going to be there. They're, they're all in on Caleb Williams. They, everybody knows that. And, and they're going to let Caleb pick who he wants to coach. And it's probably going to be horrible. Everybody knows that. Um, so, so I think Ryan Poles is like trying to make moves like, hey, I'm trying to make moves. I'm still here. You know, ownership, you should keep me. Um, and that's what it felt like to me. And, and if you look at, you know, here's the thing I, I guess I wanted to ask you is it, is Justin Fields, not playing has Tyson Badgett coming in and having success. Has that lowered the stock for Justin Fields because the Bears do need those picks in order to continue to retool? That's an interesting question. I was thinking about that too. Badgett wasn't a total nightmare tonight, but I think it was clear watching that game that the Bears are not a very good team, and so I wouldn't say that it's lowering. Fields of stock. I think if Dodgent were to come out in the, this week, you know, and, and play really well, then maybe it would, because then he has two games of decent play. I think the fact that they won the game against the Raiders, they want more to do with the Raiders than Tyson Dodgent. Um, and I like Tyson Dodgent, but like all you have to do is watch yesterday's game, and you know, you, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree. I don't think they're they're keeping Fields. I think they're right to wait to bring him back until he's fully healthy so that he can look as good as possible. And I, I was talking to Chris about this because obviously he was calling the, the game. And he made a really good point, which was there are things that Tyson Badgett, Tyson Badgett nowhere near as good as Justin Fields from a, you know, a quarterback perspective, certainly from a perspective. But what Tyson Badgett has to do to make up for that, in other words, get through his progressions quickly, make, take some easier throws, um, you know, be kind of a quick uh, processor because he can't rely on his athleticism, if Justin Fields incorporated a little bit of that, I do think that would go a long way. And so maybe this can really help him. I'm still bullish on Justin Fields overall. I don't think there are many quarterbacks inside of Patrick Mahomes that could get that Bears team to the playoffs, to be honest with you. Well, I, they're going to blow it up. I mean, I think we all know that. But I, you're bullish on Justin Fields. I, I'm not. I'm bearish, which is interesting or maybe even coincidental or ironic because he's on the Bears. But uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. I, I wonder if he's going to get maybe a second chance with Arthur Smith, and maybe that helps salvage them both. Who see who, yeah. who uh, you know, that, that might be nice for both of them. George, we always appreciate it, man. Anytime, brother. Be well. Absolutely. Take care. George Torrey. Pro Football Focus.